Welcome to your most visionary life. On this weekly podcast, I chat with visionary humans and I'm asking them the one question that you probably want to know the answer to. How did they create, launch, and build the business of their dreams? My name is Kelsey Rydell and I am the founder of Visionary Life and the Visionary Method 90-Day Business Coaching Program for aspiring and startup entrepreneurs. The intention behind all of our visionary content is simple, and that is to plug you into the people, inspiration, and information that will help you to live and to lead your own most visionary life. As you begin to listen to the episodes, you'll discover one obvious and common thread, and that's that we all have a little bit of visionary inside of us, but perhaps somewhere along the line, someone told you to play small, to play safe, and that led you to live an ordinary life. This show will help you break down the intimidation behind launching a business, and it will shine a spotlight on people just like you with similar life experience who are creating the business and life of their dreams using the time-honored principles of consistent daily action. It's in you. It's in all of us. Let's dive in. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Visionary Life. If you are brand new here, I want to say a big welcome. I record an episode for you each and every single week, and they all feature interviews with a very inspiring entrepreneur. So whether you are an aspiring business owner, or maybe you already have your own business, or you just love hearing the stories and the journeys of people just like you who have created incredible businesses or side hustles for themselves, then you're going to love this podcast. My interviews are always recorded in person, which is actually quite unique for a podcast. Did you know that most shows are actually recorded via Skype? So I really pride this show on keeping it real, sitting face-to-face with these visionary entrepreneurs and having these conversations so that I can share them with you. Now, of course, this limits me because I have locational boundaries, but I do have a dream one day when this show grows and gets a little bit bigger that I'll be able to travel around and do more podcast road shows, maybe hit up places like New York, LA, Vancouver, and just find the visionaries all around the globe. And I know that eventually that's going to mean that I need to get out there and keep on chasing the people who are doing incredible things in all cities across the world. This week on the show, I have a really amazing interview with Heather Gardner, the founder of Tribe Fitness. Tribe is a Toronto fitness community that is built upon a shared love of yoga and cycling and running. And Tribe has been a collective of incredible humans since 2013. And founder Heather has really been at the front of this movement of building community and eventually opening her own studio so that Tribe could have a home base. So whether you aspire to open a fitness studio, build community within your city, find a tribe of like-minded people, or you just want to know what it really takes to open a small business, this episode is for you. More on tribe in a bit, but first I want to share a couple of announcements. So as you know, I am hosting a Visionary Life Retreat on Sunday, April 14th, and I would love to see you there, especially if you've been a listener of the podcast and maybe we've never met in person before. This would be a really cool opportunity to have you at this retreat and to be able to just connect and be amongst a tribe of visionaries all together. 
So just a quick overview of the day. It starts around 9.30 a.m. We're going to start with a little opening activity to connect everyone, a nice light breakfast, uh, followed by some visionary life intention setting. And then we're going to spend about 90 minutes on optimizing our health and lifestyle. So we're chatting routines for success, how to reach flow state, and how to create boundaries in order to design your life with purpose. Then I've got incredible lunch for you. And finally, in the 90-minute afternoon session, we're really talking about the future of your business and your brand and where you should focus your efforts, the role that social media should play, and what it takes to stay relevant and innovative. Again, you do not need to have a business to come. This is going to be practical knowledge for anybody, and I really help you to put a lot of these things that we're chatting about into action. So even if you just have maybe a little passion project on the go, or you just want to see, is business for me? Or maybe you want to scale up your business, this is going to be for you. There's going to be lots of swag bags, some giveaways from incredible sponsors, which I'll share more about soon. And the space is stunning. Definitely head over to my Instagram or you can head to kelseyridle.com slash retreat and you can see some of the photos of the venue that we're going to be in. Now, I know, I know it can be intimidating to show up at a retreat and maybe you don't know anybody or you've never spent money on personal development before or you're not too sure who's going to be in that room. And I totally understand. Um, Of course, money may be a factor. You might be paying off debt or you've got a mortgage or you're saving for a trip. But I want to assure you that this is going to be a very life-changing day for you. Just getting yourself inside of the room, immersing yourself with a tribe of visionaries. And from the moment you arrive, it's going to feel like a safe place. I have specific activities that will make sure that there's just no awkwardness for anyone who shows up alone. Don't worry, I've taken care of that. I know what you know, I do not like in retreats and workshops like this is when you have to walk in by yourself. So I've got things that will help you to overcome that. And so if you've been delaying going to a retreat or investing in yourself, or if you've been looking at the page for this retreat and thinking, well, it sounds awesome, but maybe I should stay home or perhaps I shouldn't spend the money. I just want to let you know that It is so important to get yourself inside these rooms and you can consider it really like a launching pad into having the best 2019. So I hope to see you there. If you want more info, again, that's at kelseyridle.com slash retreat and you can buy tickets there or just send me a message if you have any questions or hesitations. Okay, so back to my interview with Heather this week's show. We're chatting all about her journey upon opening one of the most incredible boutique studios in Toronto right now, and it is called Tribe Fitness. So what began as a local crew running the streets of Toronto and then evolved into a massive summer park yoga event and finally finding a permanent home at the base of Toronto's one of their most popular streets, which is Spadina. Tribe is truly a studio that you need to visit and you need to experience the magic that happens within those walls. Tribe boasts large views of the CN Tower and the lake out of their beautiful windows. They offer both spin and yoga classes as well as a signature hit and flow, which is a high intensity class, which last time I did it, I was sore for days and days. 
and there's truly a class type or length or style for everyone. And I am lucky enough to be one of the spin instructors at Tribe, and I couldn't be more grateful. Now, I wanted to get this episode out to you, and I did a little bit of shuffling because if you are listening on March 18th, which is tomorrow, Tribe is actually kicking off a March Madness Challenge. And even if you're listening to this a couple days after, you can still join. And so this is a commitment to being your best self over the next two weeks and trying to get in 14 workouts in 14 days. And so if you think you want to strive for that goal, then definitely hit up tribefitness.ca or get yourself to the studio and join in on the challenge where there are some awesome prizes. So I teach at Tribe on Monday nights and Thursday mornings. Again, I teach some of their spin classes, uh, which they have the best bikes, and we have Uh, performance metrics using the screens and the monitors that are attached to each bike so it really is a unique experience and I would encourage you to just come on out for a class it's so much fun so in this episode with Heather we chat about the challenges of opening a fitness studio we talk about the reality of being able to get small business loans we chat about how to build community and how Lululemon supported her vision in the early days We also dive into her history of what sparked her love of group fitness and athletics. And finally, we talk about the realities of finding space to rent in downtown Toronto and how she hosted over 500 free workouts before even opening her physical studio. So enjoy the episode. I rambled on long enough. And as always, I'd love to hear your feedback. So reach out anytime and please let me know what you think. Heather, welcome to the Visionary Life Podcast. So we're sitting here in your beautiful space and getting cozy on a yoga mat, which is awesome. (laughs) And thank you for agreeing to be on the show. Yeah, no worries. It's not as beautiful as it can be down here because it's kind of a gray day. True. And we're surrounded by all these amazing windows. And as you know, when it is sunny, this room just explodes it's where we keep all the sun in Toronto but Mm -hmm. there's none today it's so true sometimes like I'll take a class here or when I used to teach cycle core which had the abs portion I would just glance out the window and be astounded every time that like oh yeah the water in Toronto is stunning (laughs) and you have a view of it from your yoga studio which is one of the biggest perks of being a member here I would say oh totally out the north windows you have the CN Tower but the south windows You've got the waterfront, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, and I'll definitely uh, plant some pictures of the studio in the show notes as well, so people can check it out. So let's start with some rapid fire questions, just so that the listeners can get to know you and learn a little bit more about who you are. So first of all, where did you grow up? I grew up in Hamilton. I went to university in Toronto and in St. Catharines. Awesome. And next question. If you only had 20 minutes to get a workout in, what would you do? Um, for Well, now that I own the studio, I would probably hop on a bike. Um, prior to that, I would go for a run. Mm, awesome. What is one of your greatest accomplishments? Ooh, definitely opening the studio. So going through the entire process of it being that pipe dream and then bringing it to life 100 percent um academically i got my master's a couple years ago and i was really i am really proud that i did that totally you know because i wanted to do it so amazing 
Who do you know that gives really good advice? That's a new question I added. So I'm like, hmm, I wonder if that one will come naturally to people or not. I feel like my husband, Mark, gives really good advice. When you get an idea, do you keep it in? Do you tell someone or do you act on it quick and just do something about it? I'm totally a doer without even sometimes thinking things through all the way. Um, so if I get an idea, I am definitely starting to act on it, depending on what it is, and you know, then I'm telling people too. Mm -hmm. So now I want to zoom the lens back a little bit so that people can get to know what you were up to before Tribe even existed. So what did your career path look like in the years leading up to Tribe? Sure. So I started off as, uh, well, I've always been in fitness. So I've been in group fitness for over 20 years. I got my first group certification when I was 16 years old, which just seems totally crazy um, back in the days of grapevines and high knees and all that kind of stuff. So um, that is where my career in fitness started. Um, but I actually was an elementary school teacher. So I taught grades six, seven, and eight health and phys ed in Hamilton became uh, the health and phys ed consultant for the Hamilton Wentworth School Board and that's actually what brought me to Toronto to work on the revised health and phys ed curriculum. So while I was working here um, with OFIA, who are the Provincial Health and Phys ed Association, I was teaching group fitness on the side and really met um, a bunch of entrepreneurs, female entrepreneurs, female studio owners and for the first time, you know, saw group fitness, boutique fitness outside of those big box stores, uh, gyms, and it kind of became that reality of something that I could do. So I continued to work um, consulting on public education um, while starting to build our community of what tribe could eventually be if it, you know, we came to the place where we were able to turn it into a studio. So. Um, I was kind of doing these two things simultaneously, um, but was working up until like two years ago. Mm -hmm. Did you ever have a vision of owning a business or did you aspire to be an entrepreneur while you were working uh, as a school teacher? So I always, I wouldn't say always, um, I've always been working. I got into some direct sales and did that sort of thing um, with clean beauty products. And even before my husband and I moved to Toronto, we had looked at doing some uh, retail and that sort of thing, opening our own shop. So definitely that was something that I had always thought of. Um, my being an entrepreneur, there are a couple members of my family who are, but um, you know, my aunt's a teacher and my mom was the CEO of the YWCA so my, and my dad worked for the ministry. So um, it wasn't something that I really saw um, until we moved here into the city and I was able to meet other women who were you know, chasing this dream that I wanted to. Mm -hmm. I always think about that with myself too and oftentimes it comes up in conversation with clients how much does location determine like how strong your passion becomes? Because I really do believe that ever since I moved to Toronto, it opened my eyes to what was possible. Yeah. And I always wonder if I wouldn't have moved to the big city, 
would I have gotten that inspiration or dose of I can do this because I was watching other people do it? Do you have any thoughts yeah. on that? Well, definitely I've had a ton of reflection in terms of opening the studio a year and a half ago. Um, as I had mentioned, my first group fitness certification, I was 16 years old. So I remember in high school taking group fitness courses and loving it. And so I would think back on, you know, this spark that I had when I was 16. Mm -hmm. But instead I went and got a master's degree in education and I was a school teacher and I went along that path. Um, so definitely it's been something I've have been thinking about. What about when I was 16 rather than going to university, um, although I have, you know, a kind degree rather than going in to do... Um, a bachelor of education and a master's of education what about if I had done something differently mm -hmm. um, but personally I know that I am a really good group fitness instructor because of my knowledge of adult learning mm -hmm. and so it's taking those um, classroom practices community building practices that I did as an elementary school teacher and bringing them to life in my in the cycling classes or in our running programs or the yoga classes so mm -hmm. you know something as easy as how you know how's everyone feeling thumbs up asking um, kind of inquiry thought questions and rather than telling people what they need to do get them to think about what they need to do so things that I would do as a school teacher I'm able to apply here and obviously if I had never had those experiences um, it wouldn't be something that I would be good at right now I think that's actually so valuable that you say that and it comes up all the time in the podcast is when you get to marry two things that you're passionate about mm -hmm. and good at and for you it's fitness instructor and adult learning and combining those into now what makes you an incredible studio owner and instructor and I think so often people discount their whole like corporate career for example because they're like I should have just gone and followed my passion straight out of high school but at the same time it's always interesting to think well what did you learn a lot about in the last 10 years that you're really an expert on that you can now pair up with your initial passion so I think that's important for anyone thinking that they're just wasting time in their career if they haven't yet followed their heart there's probably something that you've picked up through your education, through your job, that now is going to make you a really unique business owner. Yeah, and I'm not a huge follower of Gary Vee, but that's one of the things that he says all the time. And, mm -hmm. you know, apart from owning the studio, um, I'm also working at the Faculty of Education at Brock. And so right now, all of my students are trying to figure out where they're going to apply to jobs and with school boards and all that kind of stuff. And there's a lot of stress going on with them right now and you know the thing he always says is you've got your entire life so you know where you are right now is just one step and you've got you know 20 30 for these students who are only in their 20s they've got mm -hmm. so much time to bring their goals and their dreams to life so you know enjoy the moment work on it right now no need to rush appreciate where you are um, while keeping your end goal in sight. Mm -hmm. So important. So do you remember the moment when Tribe really was in your mind? Like, what was that moment? Or was there a defining moment of feeling <laughs> like, this is a community that I'm going to start building? Sure. So I had been running here in Toronto. Um, I was actually training for my first marathon uh, which was New York City in 2010 and I just moved to the city for that consulting job 
and I was running by myself. So I left a run club in Hamilton. I was here alone doing these crazy long training runs that you do solo. So I would always kind of end up at the Lululemon on Queen Street. Mm. And I just kept kind of getting pulled up there. You know, their culture, they're friendly. They, you know, know you. Even if they don't really know you, they still act like they know you. So you feel like you're a part of something when you're there. Um, so I would just kind of always end up there. I was chatting with those folks. And after my race, they asked me to come on as an ambassador. So I became one of the first um, running ambassadors out of that store in Toronto. And so when that time ended, I knew I wanted to keep doing something else. I knew at that time I was unsparked that I wanted to open a studio. I wanted to find something that was my own. Um, I wanted to create a space for not just endurance athletes, but that was where I was coming from, um, where I could do cycling and I could cross train with yoga and I could do running all in one membership and feel like I'm part of something. And so for me, leaving that was then kind of the chance of, okay, I can now do something on my own. If I'm going to do this, now's the time. We didn't have a studio space. It was November 2013. So I was like, okay, so what... Um, what can we do right now? And while some people might not think starting a run club in November is the best idea, <laughs> I, I know that you were there for a few of those runs. Yes. So, um, so that's what we did. So I decided that's, you know, with my husband, that's what I was going to do. We were going to kind of leverage the running, the connections I had made through Lululemon, see if we can start something on our own. So on you know a Monday, I sent out a tweet. I sent out a tweet and just said, "Hey, want to join me for a 5K run? Meet on this particular corner at 7 p.m." And people actually showed up. <laughs> um, so from there, it just kind of grew and kind of grew. And then the second kind of moment of, you know, this is actually a thing was after a run one Wednesday. It's maybe like the third or fourth run. Um, so within that first month that we'd been doing it, I had left my phone on, which is very unusual. Usually, I, I feel like most people, my phone's just always on silence, never makes any noise. And for some reason, I'd left it on, had gone to bed. And it was just starting to like get these alerts and it's like dinging. And then my husband's like, who's messaging you? What's happening? Because it was like constant, just like bing, 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 alert, alert, alert. I was like, what? going on I'm like I have no clue this is so bizarre like nobody ever messages me anyway so what's happening right now and I had 70 70 tweets after our run of people saying hey I did this thing you should join me next week hey thanks at tribe underscore fitness this was amazing can't wait to join you and I just kind of looked at my phone and looked at this like insane amount of alerts I was like oh my gosh this is like this is, I didn't even do anything. This is not me anymore. Mm -hmm. This tribe really has its own heartbeat and has become something bigger than me. Um, so this is happening. So that was kind of the first moment of, okay, this is like, this is real. Mm -hmm. I love that you share this because I always tell people who are struggling with like marketing or getting their business out there to choose something that's 
um, low risk and high reward. And this is kind of exactly that. Like it's low risk to start a run club because it doesn't cost a lot of money. Mm -hmm. It's just your time really that you're always giving. And the reward is that people show up, they feel amazing. They're so grateful to have this space to come to and they tell their friends if they like it. So if you do a good job, Mm -hmm. the word will spread. Yeah. I know at one point you also did yoga as well. So where did, let, maybe let's talk about the evolution of the run club. How long did you do that for? And what did the growth look like? And when did the yoga come on? Sure. So we are still doing the free run club now. So even though we have this physical studio space, um, we still do two free runs during the week. And that was just something that I put a value in in terms of our origin story that was how we started it started as you know a way for me to give back to the community and so it still is um so like I said that was in November I am a certified yoga teacher and there were a lot of kind of park yoga events happening with different companies and I was very much siloed into this runner so when opportunities to teach at these classes came out, they went to, you know, yoga folks who were very typical yoga people and not the endurance athlete who also teaches yoga. So I kind of thought, all right, where we are in City Place, we have this amazing park. Um, why don't I just do it here? Then I could teach it because mm-hmm. I made it. <laughs> So, so that was what we did. So we, in the first year, teamed up with the Residents Association in City Place. Um, they got us a boot camp permit for 25 people. So they kind of took all of that on their own, um, which, you know, I was appreciative for them to pick up the cost of that permit and do what they knew that they could do. They didn't really have much of an idea of what we were doing, so they just tried their best, and we ended up with a 25-person boot camp permit. So by the third week, we had 160 people show up (laughs) to my 25-person boot camp yoga class. Um, So again, it was the power of people and the power of Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, we're talking 2014, uh, had a Facebook event and it was the weekend of CanFit Pro. And so I was actually presenting at CanFit Pro there at the conference, watching this Facebook event grow and grow and grow. Um, and then, you know, it was at the time my husband and I, and we had you know, the same stereos that we, stereo that we use right now, but it was just the two of us and we were printing waivers at Staples and at our home printer and some of our runners came and helped us with the clipboards and, you know, it was really us just authentically being ourselves and offering free yoga. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember one crazy moment connected with that was a lineup of taxis again it was like 2014 so it was before uber so there were all these cabs and there was you know in terms of free we're at the base of the cn tower spectacular views um this lineup of taxis and people getting out of these cabs to come to this yoga class which you know was was just me (laughs) um which always makes me laugh but you know connected to that we also took photos at everything. So whether it was our runs at the very beginning, even now we still take photos at everything. Um, 
but we took the photos. My husband took the photos. We didn't hire anybody to do professional photos, and we would just put them all away, put them all up on Facebook. So even that, you know, it wasn't. It cost us the camera and it cost us the time, but then people were able to take these photos and start sharing them. And again. 2014 so you know the main thing was Facebook um, so people and then Twitter so people were just pulling these great photos that we were taking and being able to uh, to use them on their social media mm-hmm. I think yeah a lesson you can pull from that anyone who's listening who's starting a business is have something that's shareable like when people exactly. are going to come to an event or they're going to work with you what is it that they can share forward totally and that can happen in many ways but obviously photos people love having photos of themselves and even now when you walk around your studio here I love in the bathrooms you see some (laughs) of those original photos and definitely is a great reminder of where you came from and uh, the history in tribe yeah and even in terms of the studio you know I know that having those shareable moments is key and so when we built the studio that's what we tried to create the neon lights like the first you know even now people still use it often but there's regular classes in here so you know somebody might say strategically it's not in the best spot Mm -hmm. but you know when we first opened all the photos that we were being tagged in on instagram were people by the neon light Mm -hmm. and then we have the heart wall so we have all of these we have the lockers with our skyline and our logo on it so even in creating a physical space thinking about those shareable moments was absolutely something that we, you know, had in mind. Mm -hmm. Such a good tip. So when you were doing these yoga classes outdoors and hosting your run clubs, were you keeping in mind, I would love this to be a physical space at some point? Or when did that vision really land in your head and then walk us through the process of bringing the vision to life? Uh, in creating a real space. Sure. So we, so definitely in 2013, before I started the run club, um, Mark and I were sitting at Hunter's Landing in City Place. That's where I live. And we kind of were like, all right, we're going to do this. All right, we're going to do this. So let's, you know, figure out what we can do right now. And it was the running. Um, So then when we started with the yoga, we kind of identified that we had this big community So how can we start collecting people's information so that when we had something to share, um, we'd have people to share it with. Mm -hmm. So we had 160 people show up, but you know, we were giving to them and we weren't really getting anything. They were going to leave and we would have no way to capture them again. So one of the things, luckily I had this brainwave before the first session. And as part of the waivers, we started collecting email addresses. So um, it was on a piece of paper, and after every single session, then I would have to go and manually input everyone who gave us an email address. And of course, they wrote it by hand. Some of them I could barely read. Some of them, of course, were like totally made up. Mm-hmm. But we were collecting email addresses so that um, when we had something to share, we would have people to share with. So constantly trying to get people to follow us on social and, you know, give us that direct link to them so that eventually when we had something, um, we would have people to share it with. Mm -hmm. So when we opened our doors, 
we already had an audience of folks. Mm-hmm. So smart. I think that's like essential is when you are going to put on these events or when you're going to do a workshop or a talk, make sure that you have a way to collect the participants yeah. information. And it's not in a way that you want to try and sell them something, something eventually. It's just that reciprocity, right? They've mm-hmm. shown that for you. Um, and giving you their time, but in turn, you can give them something maybe of future value to them when you create that product or service. So I think building an email list is huge. And I know you also spend time building your Instagram account, Mm -hmm. which has probably been super valuable as well, right? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, At tribe underscore fitness. Yes. Um, We will link all of that (laughs) because everyone should definitely go follow you. Uh, Thanks. Um, Yeah. So after the first year, the Residents Association paid, Association paid for it. Um, it was a bit of an interesting relationship. Like I said, they had got us a permit that wasn't super ideal. And the entire time, of course, I'm worried that the cops are going to show up and like bust our yoga class, which would never happen. I Rowdy know. yogis. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who's going to complain at you know yeah. 10 a.m. people are doing yoga? But still, I was worried. So after that, we took ownership of it. And then I personally was now paying the permit fees. So because I was paying out of my own pocket, I was like, we need to capture all like information. We need something back from these people in terms of, yes, we're providing this free service, um, but what can we do? How can we leverage this into something else? And so, yeah, collecting emails, getting people following us on social. Um, and even those activations, we, you know, made an Instagram frame sign. And again, just this was back in 2014 when it was still cool. So yeah. we made like these <laughs> frame signs. Like we did all that, you know, to try and get give people the shareable moments then um, as well. Yeah. So when did you start actually hunting for real estate for Tribe? Because I think that is something that is on a lot of our listeners' minds is, well, I want to start a physical space, whether it's a gym, whether it's a clothing store, whether they want to open a wellness um, integrative clinic or something of that sort. But the, the thought of actually finding a space and renting it seems daunting. Yeah. So can you walk us through that journey? And I know it took you quite a while because <laughs> you and I have known each other for quite a while yeah. now. And I remember kind of the, the constant conversations of looking mm-hmm. for a space, maybe even finding it, getting your hopes up, and then yeah. something kind of landing and totally. saying, nope, that's not yours. So what was that process like for you? Yeah. And that, that nope, it's not yours happened three times. Which is probably heartbreaking <laughs> at the time when oh. you get your hopes up and you're ready to launch this community and of then course. you realize that there's a few more hiccups that are going to be waiting for you. Yeah, totally. I think, yeah, the, I think the norm is hiccups, so get ready for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started the whole entire thing, let's see, we signed, we moved in in 2017. Um, even that was really delayed because um, we were supposed to move. We moved in. We opened in November, and we were supposed to open in September. It was my goal that we'd be, we would be open for my birthday on September 21st, mm-hmm. um, and that didn't happen. And then instead, we opened the weekend that I ran the New York City Marathon, which is also <laughs> not ideal, but at that point, we really needed um, money. We needed to be opened. So we had to do whatever we could. Um, But to go back further, because we were based out of City Place, that 
community was so important to us. Um, it is a residential community for people who don't know. So it's right down by the Rogers Center, all the big towers um, that are along the Gardner, essentially that community is City Place. So because it's so residential, there isn't a lot of commercial space available. So we started meeting with the um, condo developer Concord and just talking with them to see what was open now, what was available. So I'm coming from an education background. I have no clue about anything. Like I didn't know anything about commercial real estate. I knew nothing about like construction. Like I really knew nothing. So I hope that provides some people with hope. Um, I had once seen a quote or had heard someone talk about how, you know, you might not have that knowledge, but there are other people who do. So how can you team up with them? So that kind of became what we were doing. Um, so the first space that we had looked at, um, they were really kind of understanding of us and my lack of experience, but saw what we were already doing in the community. So because all the condos in City Place are owned by the same developer, that was the person we were dealing with. So although we didn't in person have a relationship, they knew about us, they saw what we were doing, they saw what we were building and how we were supporting the community. Um, so they wanted to work with us. The spaces that they had available just physically weren't large enough. So what I um, had said earlier about you know wanting to be cycling and wanting to have a space for yoga just wasn't gonna be available. So I had a few meetings with them and what they were able to offer us just wasn't really what we were looking at. So then we went beyond that. So at this point it had only cost me time. Um, you know, maybe printer ink and that sort of thing, but that was it. So after that experience where the reality of, I have no clue what I'm doing hit, I was like, all right, we need to find someone in commercial real estate. And it was as simple as Googling. So we just like Googled someone, looked at their references and they had actually helped, um, do the, um, real estate of another studio that I had actually worked at. So I was like, okay, well that's cool. Like what are the chances that the very first person we click on actually we already have a connection with. Mm -hmm. So, um, I called the guy, his name is Jeff Wolf and he was so supportive and understanding and didn't make me feel stupid. And that was like the big thing. Cause like mm -hmm. I said, I, you know, had no knowledge about what was going on. And I was like, all right, I need someone who's going to take the time to explain to me what this is all about. And he did that. And it was amazing. So then we started continuing to look in this area, like look around Concord. Mm -hmm. And I feel like maybe that is a limitation because we were so connected to this community, but us, it only made sense are you know the thousands of people we had been working with in the first three years we did over I did over 500 free workouts so the thousands of people who had been connecting with were pretty much in this area so we needed to stay in this area which you know was a challenge so another space became available um, in a different just on the other side of Bathurst a different um, developer so I had been going over there, meeting with them. Um, Jeff had been meeting with them. We had been going through all this, like we had drafts of the lease. 
I had a lawyer that was hired. Jeff was working on the um, working on the lease with them. We were having our lawyer review it, so now it's costing me. Um, and they just stopped returning our emails, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Ghosted, and now it's like costing me money, and it's just me, like a normal mm-hmm. person. So now I'm having to pay. Um, to get ghosted by these people. And so kind of like with that, I turned into like the crazy ex-girlfriend who's like, why aren't you calling me back? And I was like, what the heck? Because I couldn't believe that this this was happening. This was how they were conducting their business. Like it just didn't make sense, which I guess is, you know, my experiences in education, not in business. Like you would never not call somebody back. And that was what they did. So that was pretty rough. Um, especially because it was costing me money now. Mm-hmm. So that sucked. So from there, we kind of were like, all right, take a step back. Like, there really isn't much available in this area, so let's go somewhere else. So another up-and-coming community is the Canary District. Mm-hmm. So my husband one summer was riding his motorcycle and was just like, I'm going to just go and ride around the city and see what I find. So he rode his bike over to Canary District, and it was the time when they were still really developing, which they are still developing, but it was even earlier. Um, And so then found a couple really interesting places. So we ended up meeting up with them and just having a conversation. They um, ended up taking us out for lunch. Like They really liked what we were doing and really wanted us in that space. The problem was the space that they wanted to offer us wasn't built yet. So they, what they're trying to do in that community, which sounds like a really great community for retail, um, is at the base of all the condos, turning that into commercial space. Mm-hmm. So you have this condo building at the bottom on the ground floor. You have different restaurants and you know a bank and fitness studios, all that kind of stuff. So you know, on paper it was great. Their timeline just didn't match. And then we kind of like just walked away from that. Mm-hmm. Um, what is funny now is that that developer actually owns this space. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, when they took over this building and saw that we were in it, kind of we already had this relationship with them. Mm-hmm. So one day I was coming home from the in center and I was on the 510, caught it at Union, turned up Spadina and looked out the window. And right at the bottom of Spadina and Queens Key, literally like the building next to the building that I live in, mm-hmm. all wrapped up for lease. And I was like, that's the space. This is it. That's the space. Got out, got my camera, took a million photos from the outside, sent it to Jeff. And I was like, this is the space. I don't know what it looks like inside. <laughs> <laughs> you just had that hit. <laughs> but the sizing is what we were looking for. The location, can't beat it. So, yeah, I was like, this is it. That's the space. And did it all work out (laughs) as planned? Did you have to go through some hiccups? Did you get derailed trying to get this space? (laughs) Insert fairy tale music. Yes. Um, No, that is not how it went. It was continuation of hiccups. Mm -hmm. Um, So we were then working with their their team um, and... To, the space was an ad agency, and they had used the space as a community room. Um, the HVAC system, which they used, they which is like cooling for people who don't really know. I feel like I don't really know, but like air conditioning and all that kind of stuff. 
where they had put the HVAC system, which obviously for a cycling studio, yoga, you need good air ventilation. Um, there was no way to service it, and they just ran it until it broke. Okay, so as part of the lease, we were at least able to identify that they had to fix that. When they ordered it, it came in and it was almost double in size. They had to send it back. They had to cut it in half, bring it back in, reinstall it. It's up in the ceilings, which meant we couldn't build any walls. We couldn't have any of the plumbing. So um, it it just continued to be delays. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that was kind of a hard time because I had to really advocate for the studio and for me and for what was right. And again, I talked about that ghosting, which just didn't seem like the right thing to do. So now it was a similar thing. It was like no, like accepting behavior that just wasn't being a nice person. Like, don't be a jerk. Do your job. So, and again, I came from education where you wouldn't not, you wouldn't never not do your job. You wouldn't not show up for something. If you make a promise to someone, then you are going to fulfill that promise. So, you know, that was kind of where I was coming from. And so having to be like, you're not treating us right. This is not how it's supposed to go. You need to, you know, fix this. You need to do this. So that was a huge growth for me. Mm Because that wasn't really what I was used to doing. Yeah, it's like when you're forced <laughs> to put on that business cap and take off your fitness and education totally. cap and be like, okay, I, I do all the jobs here, right? Yeah. You are HR, you are marketing, you exactly. are sales, you are the boss that has to fire people who aren't doing their job or stand strong when totally. they're treating you poorly. And I think that's one of the things that sometimes we overlook about being a passionate business owner is that all of a sudden you have to change the hat that you're wearing and be like, okay, I'm running a business in addition to creating this beautiful space and it's going to be hard. Yeah. So with all the delays, we were able, like I was able to negotiate starting paying rent later on. So that worked out well. Like they, you know, saw that this was their problem that they had, you know, not done the job on their end. There was a lot of turnover even from their staff. So I feel like our, you know, file kept getting like shuffled around um, internally for them with the landlord. So there, you know, at that point it was like clear that these mistakes were as a result of them. So it was, you know, we were, I guess they didn't have to, we were fortunate they did um, give us further time of rent for free. Um, but then, like I said, time came and we had to start paying. So we had to get open. So it wasn't, you know, ideal, ideal timing, Mm -hmm. you know, opening a gym, you might think, oh yeah, November, great time. But then people are the next month getting ready for Christmas. So we were already open. And then in that drop of people, you know, dedicating their money, not to their own personal health and well-being, but to giving of others. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And throughout this time when you're paying rent and you're having all these startup costs of renovating the space and putting together just all the things that need to come uh, before launching a studio, did you have to ask for outside funding? Did you bootstrap this all with your own money that you had saved? Maybe you could just give us like quick high level overview for people who are like, how did she do this? Yeah. So again, I was working, even though we were doing all these free workouts, um, I was working consulting and education. So I had a decent job. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had been saving some money. 
And so I had gone with my business plan, which, you know, I had felt that it was a really great plan, um, to a bunch of banks and was not able to get any funding. So we rent here in the city. When I first moved to Toronto, it was only supposed to be for a year. We loved our unit. We just keep renting. So we didn't have anything to be able, you know, that the banks could essentially take away if we couldn't pay them. So nobody would give us any kind of money. So what I then did um, was get a bunch of personal loans. Mm-hmm. And I have, like, I've, you know, seen Arlene Dickinson speak and, you know, these sort of things are the things that they suggest you don't do. But when it's your passion, and I've also heard her say this too, you know, when you have this idea and you want to do something, then you do whatever it takes. Mm -hmm. You get scrappy, right? Exactly. You're not going to stop at one no or one mishap. Totally. So, you know, and again, at the time... I was working a really great job. So for me to be able to walk in there, I remember at one like one bank, I was like, oh yeah, we're gonna renovate our kitchen. I need a loan. And then they were like, okay. So <laughs> right? And unlike unlike now, where yeah. you know, essentially I'm an entrepreneur who's in theory, you know, with a studio opening, not taking any money at all, where I wouldn't be able to get a loan. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, so because I had that security at the time Mm -hmm. and I started to think ahead of okay there's going to actually be a time where I'm not going to have this money Um, I need to start getting money Mm -hmm. so yes we went around to banks Um, we also had a really great um, and this was our broker which is why it's important to do with people who know leasehold improvements Mm -hmm. so we um, got a pretty decent Um, renovation kickback from the landlord the problem though was that the renovations took so long that it much longer than we expected that some people were done their projects but everything else was so extended that we weren't able to get that kickback until everything was complete so for us you know in paper we were going to get all this money in time we were going to pay be able to pay everyone all at once because it was going to be a well-oiled machine and work like clockwork and Mm -hmm. you know not the case so then we had to start using money that we had saved for startup capital to start paying people Mm -hmm. um which then you know caused like a whole entire shift in terms of where our finances were going when we first started um and then we went to our family Mm-hmm. So that was the other piece. So again, you know, the banks were supporting us um, in the business loan sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so like you said, got scrappy and just tried to figure out other ways to make it work. Mm-hmm. And that's important, just being resilient yeah. and yeah, just tapping into everything you can possibly Oh, think totally. Of. Like there's, you know, that first like Christmas when we had just opened in November, we were having to pay all these people. And, you know, our family celebrates Christmas. Now it's Christmas time. It's like, okay, how am I going to, like, get people gifts? What am I going to do? Not, they're getting gift cards gift to cards. try. <laughs> you know what? I had been saving Shoppers Optimum points forever. I even now, when I go into Shoppers Optimum, like, I never spend my Optimum points. Yeah. I had, like, hundreds of thousands of Shoppers Optimum points. Uh-huh. And I was like... All right, shoppers, let's, you know, hook everybody in my family up with Mm -hmm. gifts on my Shoppers Optimal points. And that's smart. That's just being very strategic. (laughs) It was like, you know, the prediction of there's going to be a time Mm -hmm. where I'm not going to have any money. (laughs) So what can I do now 
thinking ahead, you know, so there you go. Save your shoppers, Optimum Points. Like that. Good tip. I'll put that in the show notes as a reminder to everyone. Um, so I'm sure we can talk about this whole process of launching the studio all day and I'll have to have you back one day, but for someone who's never been to Tribe before, can you just paint a picture of what it's like to walk in here and what they can expect as a member? Sure. So um, as we've talked about at the beginning, we're located down um, at the bottom of Spadina along Queens Key. So our you know, the entire space is just over 3,000 square feet. Um, very bright windows in every single room. Um, in terms of the color scheme, um, the walls are white, a kind of light wooded floor. Uh, we have this signature um, purple that we've always used. Um, it's kind of funny, it's similar to a purple that um, was like our wedding colors when Mark and I was married, I had like my wedding dress had this purple detail on. So purple's always been a color that I've been connected with. Um, so we've got these white walls splashed with these really, you know, bright kind of purple walls, playful, lots of fun. Um, people are always surprised by how big it is, which is always kind of a weird, like it always throws me when people say, oh, it's so big in here. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's Toronto and everything's <laughs> small and crammed. I guess so. But I think it's the windows too, like because you're really open to the outside. Um, so we have, uh, the space is gender neutral. So there are, you know, it is not gendered. What that means is the washrooms are for everybody. The uh, individual stall washrooms, individual stall showers, individual stall change space. And that was something that, um, again, I intentionally did with the whole idea of tribe being a community. I wanted everybody to feel welcome here. Um, and again, that was learning that I took from the classroom. So as a school teacher being able to create that space and the work I did with the health and phys ed curriculum and around sexual education and just the importance of people feeling accepted and included and that's what I wanted this space to be. Um, We've got our indoor cycling bikes are performance based which means they have uh, little monitors on them, stages monitors which sync to a free app that you can download. So the programs that people can experience are based off of Um, research proven methods so if you're coming to a cycling class you're not going to be doing something that the instructor just randomly made up Um, it's using the best practices in the industry for indoor cycling for yoga for um, body weight exercises so everything is um, safe and smart and you know going to support you no matter where you are in your fitness journey. Mm-hmm. And as one of the teachers here, I would say <laughs> that the cycling classes are just kick-ass workouts, especially because you have that monitor in front of you and you're able to track your metrics and people are inspired to come back time and time again to improve that. So I think that's such a huge differentiator of what your cycling studio offers versus a lot of others. Yeah, it's a a swing of the pendulum of what's going on in um, indoor cycling right now uh, in terms of the industry and having that data on the bike proves that what we are doing works because mm-hmm. you see those numbers there. So you're not going to a class where you you think like you kind of feel like you got a good workout but you don't actually know yeah. where you, every person is leaving here 
um, knowing the effort that they gave um, because it's being displayed on their personal monitor. Mm -hmm. Um, So our instructors are coaching you through that data, motivating you, and you're becoming educated. You're becoming smarter because you're learning how your body feels, how your body works, and then you have that data to support it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And why why should someone come down and try a class at Tribe? I'm just curious, <laughs> in your words, if they're like, okay, but it'll take me five minutes to walk there, why should I go? <laughs> uh, you should come because this is where you belong. It is all about community, inclusion, welcomeness. You are going to get a great workout and you're going to feel like you are part of something, mm-hmm. that you are important, that you matter because you are important and you do mm-hmm. matter and we do care. And it's, you know, myself and my husband and our team and everyone who walks through these doors is important to us. So not only are you going to get a, get that great workout, you know, based off of everything that we talked about, you know that you are valued and you feel like you are part of something bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I just love that so much because there are so many businesses I've walked in lately where I didn't feel like I was... I mattered. I didn't feel like anyone cared that I was in the store or in the studio. I didn't have anyone speak to me. And it's just like, that is lacking. So to be able to come to tribe and feel like you are part of something and that you belong and that you don't have to look a certain way or talk a certain way or be someone you're not is so refreshing because it's not the norm anymore. Yeah. And that's what we try and reflect on our social media too. Um, When you look at our page, when you look at our stories, we are sharing everyone's stories. So you will come to a class and you will see different body types and you will see different ages and you will see different abilities all working together as one. And we also go beyond to show that in our social media so that people are able to see, you know, that there are bigger folks and smaller folks Mm -hmm. and older folks and younger folks and Mm -hmm. everybody is welcome and everyone is important to us. Mm So final question as we wrap this up, for someone who's listening to this podcast and feeling very inspired by your story, and they're also thinking, I would love to start a passion project or a side hustle, or they want to launch a studio full time, but they have no idea where to begin. What advice would you offer them based on your own experience? Um, So if they have no clue where to start, find somebody who's done it, go Mm. through your social media, find somebody and then see who they follow in terms of, you know, in terms of who they're connecting with, who they're engaging with. So even if you don't know them personally, being able to see what they're doing and then I think start thinking critically about what they're sharing, what, what are they doing? Why are they doing that? So start, you know, trying to think and dissect the little steps of what you see this person doing. Um, I hope that you would be able to reach out to them, send them a message, see if they respond. Of course, depending, you know, if they're Mm -hmm. local in your area or if they're, you know, have way too many followers, that might not be the case, Mm -hmm. but being able to start seeing what they do and then figure out what it is that you need to do. So kind of reverse design. What's that Mm -hmm. big goal? How can you start work working backwards from that goal to figure out what you need to do and then start doing it. So, you know, like at the time I said in 2013, I didn't have a space. I, you know, didn't have a bunch of bikes. I had nothing to do. What was the one thing I could do? Invite people to join me for a run. So I threw it up on Twitter. 
and people showed up. Mm. So don't be afraid figuring out, figure out what the very first step is of something you can do mm-hmm. and then do it. Yeah. And I really love what you said about just like following someone or connecting with someone who's already doing it mm-hmm. because it's so, it's so simple nowadays, whether you find them on Instagram or Google them to just almost assemble like your little board of advisors, even if they don't know you and you don't know them. <laughs> but if you start listening to their content and surrounding yourself with them in yeah. their online content, you're going to start to believe it's possible. And if they're in your yeah. ears or you're watching them on YouTube or whatever it is, you're going to be inspired. So hear more from them and I think that's a great tip yeah when I met with Concord the very first time um, and we were just kind of pitching the ideas they really liked what we were doing they um, said to me "All right, it's time to assemble your dream team Mm. and I was like it Very is. Cool. I was like, all right, dream team, assemble. <laughs> I love it. So if someone wants to learn more about Tribe Fitness or connect with you, where is the best place that they can go to find out all the details? Sure. So our social, you can follow Tribe Fitness at tribe underscore fitness. Tribefitness.ca is our website. Personally, you can find me at catching Heather, catchingheather.com. Thanks so much for being on the show, Heather. It was amazing to hear your story and I can't wait to share it with everyone. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of Visionary Life. Did you learn something new or are you inspired to take action on a new project? If so, please get in touch with me on Instagram at Kelsey Rydell or in our secret Facebook community. Just search Visionary Life by Kelsey Rydell on Facebook. Please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. It helps us share the stories of visionary entrepreneurs with more and more people. If you're interested in working with me, just head to KelseyRidal.com. And if you've been thinking about joining my 90-day business coaching program, please reach out and book a free 15-minute call and I'd love to chat with you. Have an incredible day.